Hello, fellow writers. I'm Lewis. That over there is Tolkien, and you have found the Scripturian Society. Welcome, everybody. This is your place to come for any kind of like writing chat chatter that you want to enjoy. Yeah. Um, that over there is, as mentioned, is Lewis, aka Carissa Harlow, and I am Tolkien, aka Ashley O'Rourke. You may know me from that pretentious book club. And if you listened to our last episode. We got to do a fun joint episode with uh, the Scripturing Society and that pretentious book club. So that was really fun. Um, if you guys are, I mean, it's it's past Christmas now, but it if is. you are not ready to let go of the yeah. holiday spirit, if you're you clinging really spirit. desperately to the Christmas clinging spirit, desperately to it. we have an episode. I for had, that. we do. <laughs> I had to go throw away our tree today. I don't mm. usually throw out our tree until at least the new year. And sometimes yeah. I keep it like well into January because mm-hmm. I'm like, it's still winter, you know? Right. But I had to go to, um, okay, so get this. This is crazy. Okay, right. so I, so sad news is uh, our dog passed away recently. Yeah. So she was a great Dane. So she lived on this big couch, right, that we originally got for us and not for the dog, <laughs> but she quickly took over it and destroyed it. And of so course. She was very old, so she slept on it for years. So we wanted to obviously get rid of the couch because sad memories. Yeah. So we managed to fit it in my car. And then I was calling around like landfills to see where I could go drop us off because it's so destroyed. It cannot be donated. Mm -hmm. And they wanted, one of them wanted to charge me $148 to drop it off. And I'm like, that is half the price of a couch. That's half the price of the couch I'm sitting on. (laughs) Oh my gosh. That's so noisy. So I found a recycling facility that was even closer and they were like 50 bucks for the whole car load. And I was like, for the whole car load, you say, (laughs) would you take a tree? And they were like, absolutely. We'll take a tree. And I was like, bye Christmas tree. Christmas is over (laughs) for sheer uh, cost benefit. Reasons. Yeah, because and because we don't have a dumpster at our apartment complex. Yeah. You'd think we would. We have one trash compactor that's usually broken. Mm. So that's fun. Yep. I um fun fact, I've never had a real Christmas tree. They've always been <gasps> fake. Still? Yeah. This is so sad. I mean, this one's fake. That one's not real. There's one behind well, me. It's very small. Yeah. <laughs> the little silver one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they don't typically grow in that shade. Yeah, that's true. Um, but no, I've never had a real one. I've never like gone to get one or anything. We just but have the smell one. of the Christmas I know. tree. I've never, that's just not part of my memory. That is so wild because <laughs> my whole, I like my whole living room kitchen area until today smelled like a little Christmas tree. And it wasn't even, it was a tiny one too. It was mm-hmm. just so fragrant and wonderful. Yes. I mean, it does sound nice. Now it's at a recycling facility. Yeah. Now it's gone. <laughs> I, I thought that was a thing people only did in the movies for most of my life. I was like, people don't do that. No way. <laughs> and then I started talking to people that did it and I was like, oh, interesting. Oh, it's real. Yeah. yeah. It's crazy though, because depending on where you live, it's uh more or less achievable. Like mm-hmm. when the first year that we moved back to Texas, we got like a scrawny little Charlie yeah. Brown tree. I bet. Because trees in Texas, it's very expensive. Like easily like 60 to 75 dollars for a medium-sized Christmas tree. Yeah which is crazy. And then when I lived in Oregon for a little while, that is, we lived in the Christmas, the art, the town we lived in used to be the Christmas tree capital of the world. But anywhere you go in Oregon, it's like five bucks for a giant tree, 10 bucks for a giant ass tree. (laughs) They're like, please take these trees off our hands. They're (laughs) like, we have so many trees. We don't know what to do with them. 
It's a good oh, problem. It was have. awesome. So <laughs> it is, it really is. So when we lived up there, um, we definitely got really big trees, but also everything everywhere smelled like pine trees. So yeah. like the smell itself wasn't specifically a Christmas smell. Right. But, um, now back here this year, I got, I got another mini tree. Yeah. It was $25 for a cool. mini tree. And I was like, wow, this is a lot of money for a short little tree <laughs> that was, it was just too big to put in the broken compactor. So mm. Of course. Yeah. Nice. That was my day. That's I did that. I went and took that out to the recycling facility today. Nice. So. That's fun. And so capable. <laughs> yeah. It's like the third or fourth time I've had to take something out to like a landfill or recycling facility. Yeah. So. What cool. did you do today? It's we're, we're recording much earlier than usual. Yeah. Which is awesome. Ash has the week off of work, right? So I do. Yeah. I super flexible. Picked this week usually to get a week off, but it was like a mandatory. We're not, no one's working this week, but we're going to pay you. And I was like, okay, I mean, nice. Sure. I'll take it. Absolutely. I love time off. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, let's see. I haven't really done much today. Um, I'm trying to think cause it's been a couple weeks since we recorded. Mm-hmm. Um, I wrote those. Down. Oh, okay. So I got some pretty cool Christmas gifts that I want to talk about. First of all, for those of you that are watching it, my mom made me <laughs> this it's like so cool. It, it's like super bright in my room. Um, but it's like a Scripturian Society symbol mug, which is super cool. And I have a notebook, and that's really fun. Um, it is so fun. It's inspired us to give you guys merch. So if you yes. guys want, you'll be able to get your own Scripturian Society merch soon so you can match well, Carissa. Exactly. But it was yeah. mine first. So yeah. So she's still <laughs> the coolest, but you guys can also participate. Exactly. We are gatekeeping, but not fully. <laughs> the gate's a little bit open. Yeah. <laughs> you can slip in, but no crowds. <laughs> no crowds, which <laughs> all the writers are like, thank God. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then Another really cool thing I got. Is it in my drawer? Can I pull it out? Um, No, it's too far away. My family in Kentucky who are like not direct relatives. It's like my dad's aunt's family. So it's like my cousins once removed and my second cousins and all of them. They got Mm -hmm. me an like embosser tool so I can put my name in all my books. So it says Ex Libris Carissa Harlow. And so it just like (gasps) embosses them as like a brand and it's so cool that is amazing <laughs> awesome I didn't even know I wanted it but it's a really no, cool I thing. want one yes and I didn't know I wanted it it's so cool wow I think this is the first year I didn't receive a book or a notebook or anything yeah like for Christmas Javi got me some super cool gifts first of all he got me some like um, some that haven't like arrived yet but he ordered mm. from Ireland some like who medieval Irish like clothes. Nice. So I'm very excited. He totally nailed that, but he also got me, well, first of all, my engagement ring from, so we've been married like a year now, but my engagement ring was, we kind of at like a Renaissance fair. Mm-hmm. So, um, it was really pretty and it had like a real little opal in it, but the opal got very, very damaged because I did not oh. know how to care for it. Sad. So he went out and he got me a new engagement ring. He surprised Yay. me. Aww. It's so pretty. Are you wearing it on the wrong piece. finger? I am because he, they only, they, he wanted me to have it for Christmas, but they didn't have it in my size. So we're going to take it to a resizer. But if you're watching on YouTube, you can see it's kind of hard to see because it's so shiny, but it's another pretty opal. I love opals. So that was really like fun and surprisingly sentimental. I was like joking around as I was opening this gift because like it was the last one he wanted me to open. Right. 
And I was like, haha, it's going to be something ridiculous, right? Because it's Javi, right? Yeah. He's, not, he's not an openly sentimental person. True. And then I'm like, it's like a little jewelry box, like a little velvet one. And I was like, oh, whatever, like, are you, are you proposing to me again or yeah. something? And then I was like, oh my God, you're proposing to me again. <laughs> it was fun. Um, but then I, uh, two more gifts I'm equally excited about are he got me a dive knife. So what when I free dive, oh. it's a, so when you free dive or scuba dive, it's a good idea to have like at least one or two knives on you. So you could get caught in something, you can cut yourself free. Or like, if there's like something down there that's caught in a net, or you want to like get a rope off the bottom or something just to clean up, clean out the water, you can cut it free. Mm-hmm. And so you strap it to your leg, but, and so he got me a really cool one too. And nice. so I'm super, I've been like carrying it from room to room. Like this dive knife is my teddy bear now. <laughs> it's right there. I'm looking at it. He also got me a tiny little bee house. So that I can begin building my bee army. That's so cool. <laughs> I know. I'm going to begin building my army of bees. I didn't know you wanted to be the leader yeah. of bees, but that is pretty I do cool. want to be the leader of bees. All right, nice. <laughs> <laughs> well, Javi and I would really like to like um, raise bees for honey and make mead uh, at some point far into the future because I want to have like a very specific type of like bee box and they're, uh, I don't know how to make them, which means probably mm-hmm. gonna have to buy them and it'll probably be very expensive. Right. So it's just like the little start. It's like six inches by six inches and it's got a little pointed roof and it's a little bee house. So, so cute. I'm not going to get any honey from these bees, but they will be, I called it the barracks. <laughs> it's, the, it's the bee barracks for my bee army. Cute. Uh, it's where we, it's where everything will start. <laughs> nice. The beginning of something new. And sinister story. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Oh, that's pretty cool. Um, let's see. Did you do anything fun on the actual Christmas day or Christmas Eve? Well, my mom and my brother and CJ came over Mm -hmm. for Christmas morning and we all opened gifts over here and then Christmas evening, we went over there because the dog couldn't be left alone that long. Mm. And so we made, um, I made beef Wellington and it was so good. It's a lot of work for a single dish, (laughs) but oh my God, it was really, really good. I was so impressed with myself because the last time I tried to make beef Wellington, it did not turn out right. Cause I did it. I did it the lazy way. And the thing Mm. is you cannot make beef Wellington. You are all in. (laughs) You have to be all in. So I was all in this time and it was really good. That's awesome. So I've had like so much this is like one of the first Christmases where it, I'm not joking when I say like, I pretty much only eaten like cookies and sausage, cheese balls and holiday food Yeah, and junk food. Like that's what I've been living on for like a week <laughs> and a half. So I'm sure I've gained like 10 pounds. Oh yeah. I it's, literally just had like a happens. piece of Christmas candy right before I got online. <laughs> <laughs> I know I've had so much sugar over the past week or so that yeah. the other day my body was just like, we need vegetable. So I ate an entire can of green beans. That's hilarious. All right. (laughs) I obviously been telling me forever that I don't eat enough fruits and veggies. Mm -hmm. And then I had like this like weird like pain in my side and ended up being like this, like, you know, like a cyst. Girls know what I'm talking (laughs) about. And so basically I went to the doctor and it ended up having like a long discussion about my health and my habits. And she was like, So you do eat fruits or veggies? And I was like, um, like ever have I? I have. <laughs> like I know the taste of an orange. Is that what you mean? <laughs> yeah, like I can recognize the taste of the fruits. And it's bad because I really do try to make veggies because I try to make my husband eat healthy. Mm-hmm. I just don't like, especially just don't like fruits. And there's mm-hmm. only a few veggies that I like. So she was like, So you need to be like 
eating better and also taking supplements. And I was like, what? Yeah. And she's like, yeah, your body has like none of the nutrients it needs. So now I have to like take these vitamins too, because she's like, your body is so deprived of good things. Uh. And I was like, dang it. And I've been part of it is too. I've been ha- having all sugar mm-hmm. and I have a sugar problem. Like yeah. I really get addicted to sugar really fast. Yep. Hence the box of candies right next to me. And I just <laughs> had a like giant gumball earlier this morning too. Nice. But I balanced it out by having a protein shake for breakfast. So that makes it all healthy, right? Right. Exactly. My problem is that I don't eat a lot throughout the day. I eat like Mm -hmm. maybe two or three times and I only have one or two things. So it's hard to get a lot of nutrients out of that. (laughs) That is hard. Yeah. Well, that's the thing too, is like, I I thought I was being really healthy. Like before my wedding, I was trying to like lose weight and get in shape so I could fit in my dress or whatever the Mm -hmm. whole, you know, most stereotypical bridal thing that everybody does. And I, so I was doing intermittent fasting and so I was like not losing weight and I was exercising and I was eating relatively healthy. And I was just like, how is this possible? And then I started doing Noom, which by the way, I love Noom. If anyone's like, I want to get healthy and not hate my life. (laughs) I highly recommend Noom. It was great. And I felt like I actually got healthy, but they were like, yeah, so you need to like eat breakfast. And I was like, I was going to say fasting is not a good way to lose weight. It is not a good way to lose weight at all. Yeah. Because your body goes into starvation mode and it will keep things instead of letting them out. Mm -hmm. Exactly. I know some people swear by it and maybe for some people it works. Like if you have a special metabolism for me, it did not work. And it's so sad because if I'd been doing Noom, then I would have been so in shape. (laughs) Because <laughs> I was so in shape on Noom and I wasn't yeah. deprived of anything, but you do have to eat every meal. And that means you have to eat healthy stuff for every meal, mm-hmm. which was like, it was really hard. <laughs> now I have to like, sounds terrible. It. it was terrible. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't terrible because most like diet plans or eating, like eating plans are really genuinely awful. Yeah. There was nothing that was off limits with Noom. It's just that I had to like eat everything in the correct like portion. Yeah. So I was like, I want 90% French fries, 10% something else. And it was like, no, no, it needs to be like 10% French fries. (laughs) And I'm like, like, I don't want to do this. (laughs) So now I have to like start from scratch with my like willpower Mm -hmm. (laughs) because I've, I've messed it up so badly. It's so true. I used to be so healthy and then you know, you let it go for like a week or two and suddenly it's so hard to go back. Yeah, exactly. So that's what my, my protein shake was this morning was me attempting to <laughs> try and like get my body back into being healthy. Yeah. But also my husband just sent me a picture of his amazing burger that he got for lunch. And I was just like, hey, thanks so much. <laughs> so for dinner, we're going to have cauliflower, potatoes, and sausages, which is, you know, fine. Yeah. It's not like all green, fresh, healthy, but there's cauliflower in there. The thing is, I only like like three vegetables. Yeah. I like okra. I like cauliflower. I like bell peppers. That's a really, that's about it. Yeah. I would also eat like yellow squash and zucchini, the only kind of squash that I like, but Javi will not. And mm-hmm. so I'm like, this takes like my five limiting. vegetables <laughs> down to like, there's just three. Sad. <laughs> yeah, I know. Oh, well, any, anything else exciting? Now I have some great book rec- recommendations though. So mm. is that next or am I skipping ahead? No, absolutely. Let's do the book recs and then okay. we can do word of the week or word of the week, then book recs. Okay. You want. So I have read many books since the last time we recorded an episode because I'm, I'm speeding toward Crazy. my uh, <clears throat> end of the year goal. You're hilarious. I, so first of all, speaking of bees, I read small favors by Aaron, a Craig who wrote house of oh. salt and sorrows. <gasps> um, 
And so the cover is all like with bees and like honey dripping off of the letters oh and stuff. So that's what I thought of when you said that. So I know a few things about bees now because it was in the book, but it's the Rumpelstiltskin retelling. If people don't that's know right. what that is, I will say it was not what I expected when you hear Rumpelstiltskin retelling. It's definitely more on the line of um, like little deals that are worse than you expect right? Mm-hmm. That you make a deal. You're like, oh, that sounds fine. But then it's really terrible right. as opposed to like weaving anything into gold or right. babies and stuff like that. She kind of did a similar thing in House of Salt and Sorrows, mm-hmm. which is a retelling she wrote of the 12 Dancing Princesses, right. where basically you find at the end that the whole plot has hinged on this one deal that didn't seem like that bad of a deal when it was made. Yeah. And then it actually resulted in this big, horrible book. We covered yes. that book on TPBC, if anyone is interested. Yeah. And I love but that it. book was like a horror fantasy. Was, mm-hmm. was is Small Favors kind of scary? It wasn't as dark. Like, even if you look at the cover, it's a, a yellow and gold cover. So it didn't feel as dark, but I think it was, uh-huh. <laughs> it's, it's, it has a very similar vibe to house of salt and sorrow. I'll say that. Okay. Um, but it wasn't what I expected. Like it's not really a spoiler, but within the first 50 pages, there are two pregnant women and neither of them have any bearing on the deals that go on, <laughs> which is weird. Cause Why? that's like the whole thing about Rumpelstiltskin getting your firstborn child. That is so um, funny. She totally tricked everyone. Yeah. It was like a trick. So if you go into it with the understanding, this is how I say it. It's an inspired by as opposed to a based on. Right. Um, if you go into it like that, I think you're going to really like it because it was very interesting. Um, oh gosh. But if you I go into it thinking it's so it's, bad. Yes, it, it, it was good. But if you go into it thinking it's Rumpelstiltskin, you'll be, I think, a little let down because it wasn't like that. Um, but it was good. And the bees were an interesting element. So that's funny that you said that. <laughs> <laughs> the bees. <laughs> that's exciting. Yeah. Man, I want to read that still, but I have to add that to my list. Any that's other good. book recs? Yes. And then I read <laughs> The Mirror Visitor Quartet by Christelle right. Davos. Oh my gosh, guys. This was so good. It's originally in French. And I think uh-huh. it's a YA fantasy. It's definitely a fantasy. I could not tell you to save my life how old any of the people in the book are, but I think it's YA and it's so good. It's four books and I just love them so much. <laughs> I think they were my favorite books I've read this year. Um, I, I love the main character and I love where the plot goes. And I, I don't know how to gauge writing when it's mm-hmm. translated, but so I don't know how many, how many liberties were taken with it, but it right. was also written very well. Huh. So I would highly recommend those. They were so good. Wow. Yes. Hmm. That sounds awesome. I just added. I was, I was going to say, wow. you look like you're judging me. You're like, hmm, fine. Yeah. <laughs> I was, uh, I just added small favors to yeah. my, uh, to my cart at bookshop.org. You guys, if you want to buy your books online, um, hi, I strongly recommend purchasing either from thrift books. If you're poor, <laughs> cause I do that all the time or bookshop.org because basically you can buy your books online just like you would anywhere else, but they purchase from independent bookstores around the country. Mm. So you can actually support independent bookstores that are dying out. Cool. Anyways, little, uh, what do you call it? Um, public service, P- PSA public service oh. announcement. <laughs> yeah. Bookshop.org. We're not sponsored or anything, but I sure love bookshop.org. <laughs> I just ordered like six books on it this morning. Nice. Avi woke up and he goes in here and he's looking at all of my books that are all over the place because I only have one bookshelf and it's overflowing everywhere else. Yeah. He was like, you have too many books. And I was <laughs> like, it's funny you think so, because I'm about to have to order 22 yeah. more books for the new season of TPBC. Never and enough. He was like, 
oh, we need a house. (laughs) I was like, I know. (laughs) I am also running out of shelf space. It's a good problem to have, but I don't know what to do. (laughs) I don't know. I mean, ladies, if you're like, I really just want my husband to buy me a house. Maybe this is, maybe this is the way. (laughs) The strategy, just make it entirely unlivable with books. Exactly. Just have stacks everywhere. (laughs) Exactly. You have to, like, you're just going to have to expand to a new room. Pretty much. There's just not enough room. I'm really hoping I can have some kind of library room in the new house, but we'll see. be so awesome. Right? I don't, I don't think we're bougie enough to get that. (laughs) But it'd be awesome. Yes. Anyways. Anyway. Any more book recs? I mean, we're running kind of long. (laughs) Okay. I will talk about one more. So... (laughs) I read this series. I don't even know if it's a book recommendation, but it's a trilogy. I believe the first one is called Neverland, but now I'm not sure. The second one is Umberland and the third one is Ozland. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So they're based on like fairy tales, but more of the classical fairy tales, right? Not the Grimm's fairy tales like Peter Pan and Alice in Wonderland and Wizard of Oz. And these are so funny because they're very fun and I enjoyed them, but they are so dark like almost everyone dies like (gasps) i opened book three and i was like this is worse than game of thrones everyone is dead oh my god (laughs) this is so so not me and it does not you do not expect it It opens up all innocent and fun you're like yay we're doing this thing it's an adventure and then everyone is dead two books later (laughs) i thought it was funny i mean not funny yeah i just thought it was funny (laughs) that is sincerely horrifying it is oh my goodness um but yeah, anyway, what have you read, Ash? Because I could um, go on. <laughs> well, we coincidentally, we were going to do Alice in Wonderland. Mm. Uh, so if any of our cross listeners are like, hey, you were supposed to do that episode and I'm mad that you didn't. Uh, what happened was Kendall got sick and so we couldn't uh-huh. record it. And but then because of our schedule, we couldn't we don't have time to go back and do it. We just had mm. to go ahead and take our hi- hiatus week over there. And right. then we're starting season three next week. Right. With Sense and Sensibility, because we always like to start with Jane Austen. Mm-hmm. So I actually read Alice in Wonderland in preparation. Yeah. And then we didn't end up doing it. So nice. we're going to have to do like a bonus episode or something at another time. Yeah. But yeah. And it was all really short notice. Like we were supposed to record. And then like five minutes before she's like, hey, I'm really sick. And I was Aww. like, oh, no. Um, so I need to check in with her and see how she's feeling now. Every, everybody seemed to get sick out here. I don't know if over there, but like literally everybody got sick over here. Ugh. Like. In Texas, it seems like all my Texas peeps and family mm-hmm. got sick um, over to December. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't, I have mixed feelings about Alice in Wonderland. Yeah. It's, I don't dislike it. It's just almost, it's like a fever dream. It is. <laughs> so it's, it's weird. It's to follow. Yep. Yeah. I don't, I. To be fair, I think you, that's what it's supposed to be. I think it is. So, oh yeah. Yeah. It is absolutely achieved what it was supposed to achieve. Yeah. So if you like like whimsical things and you don't really care about like a plot that's easier to follow mm-hmm. or coherent probably, or coherent. <laughs> yeah. If you want, if you want a coherent plot, you probably won't like it that much, mm-hmm. but it's, I think everyone should read it once because it's really short. Mm-hmm. But um, if you're like, I like whimsical things and I don't care about coherency, go check it out. That's the book for you. Definitely. Um, I think that's about it. I'm really, I really want to read small favors now. I've been waiting for that book to come out. So I know it's good. And now I'm really excited too about gilded by Marissa Meyer. Cause that's also right. a rumble silkskin retelling, but it mm-hmm. seems like it's going a completely different direction with it. So I'm like, perfect. I can get both okay. ends. And she is, she is the queen of retelling. So Gosh, I love her. I noticed, um, I bring her up a lot on this podcast. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize she was one of my favorite authors until we started doing this. And I, she, she comes has, up so much. Um, 
She has a, a writing podcast, yeah. I believe. I haven't yeah. listened to Happy it. Happy Writer, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Gosh, she's I listened so good. to a little bit of her episode where she interviewed Lee Bardugo. Yeah. And I said this before, but it's just so funny because Marissa Meyer is like this, like totally upbeat, happy person, like a mm-hmm. ray of sunshine and Lee Bardugo, who is, I mean, she's totally sweet and fun, mm-hmm. but like her vibes are mm-hmm. so goth. It was just like, it was so funny to see them like doing I love this it. episode together. <laughs> yeah. It's great. It was great. Um, but yeah, so I'm Any excited book about too. No, I just really, I want you to read the mirror visitor quartet too. I know it's four books and they're all long, but they're so good. And I just want to talk about the end and everything in between. Well, maybe you can address it this episode. I'm going to, I'm going to do my very best not to spoil it. I'm also going to talk more Marissa Meyer. So, (laughs) oh, excellent. Well, before we do that, do you want to give us our word of the week? Yes. Okay. Antediluvian. Okay. A-N-T-E. D-I-L-U-V-I-A-N, antediluvian. I don't know how, how many people know this word because it's like my favorite I've word that I never it. have opportunity to use, but it means very old or old fashioned or out of date, <gasps> antiquated or Ooh. primitive, literally before the flood of Noah. So antediluvian. Antediluvian. Yep. So cool. Well, that's a cool word. Oh Help my it. God. We have to bring that back. Everybody yes. bring the word back. Help so us. So good. Oh my God. I want that on a t-shirt and yes. ask me. And then on the back, ask me what it means. Yes. <laughs> Merch. <laughs> I love it. Oh, uh, man. I just never get a chance to use it because very few things are that old, but <laughs> I wonder if I can work this into the book I'm working on now. Do it. We'll see. Maybe I can, I might, I might be able to <laughs> On to our theme this week. Yeah. What is our theme for this episode? Our theme is unsatisfying endings. <laughs> i.e. how to make the ending satisfying, I suppose. <laughs> what yeah, to do exactly. and what to do. Yeah, truly. Yep. Um, I was trying to think like in preparation for this episode, like what are some of the worst endings? Um, and I not to be a broken record, but I'm gonna do it anyways. Do it. I think almost every ending I've read or even watched in movies where the, it ends with amnesia mm-hmm. is the most unsatisfying. I knew you were gonna bring it up said before. <laughs> And so I won't, I won't harp on it because we all know how much I hate it. If you don't know, mm-hmm. um, go listen to our episode on amnesia. Yeah. Uh, I hate it. I hate it. Yep. Um, I think that is as unsatisfying as an ending can get, but that is just one of the many ways that you can accidentally or on purpose make yep. your stories ending really unsatisfactory. Yep. And I think I'm going to bring that up in like a couple minutes after I say my opening thing, but I, I think there's a reason that that's unsatisfying. And I think it's broader yeah. than just amnesia. So anyway, yeah. um, because, because I'm an English literature major, I was going to bring up the modernists and postmodernists, not like heavily, but do it. this was a thing that we learned that they purposefully made their endings unsatisfying essentially mm-hmm. because that's how they felt life was. And they wanted yep. to correctly emulate life in their writing. And first of all, I don't know that life is always that way. I mean, life definitely has disappointments and it doesn't go the way you want, but I don't know that we can say that it's always unsatisfying. And second of all, if it is, no one wants to read about that. No, (laughs) that's the thing too, about hyper-realism in writing and in any kind of entertainment is most people are not going to it for realism. We're going for an escape. So if you do believe life is just depressing and unsatisfactory in general, why would you want to read about it also? That's just double the amount of dissatisfaction. Yep. Definitely want to make it more satisfying than life itself, especially because life doesn't always wrap up nice and neat and books can. So while you have the opportunity, you should make it happen. (laughs) 
<laughs> I agree. I mean, some people, I guess I, I can think of a couple people who probably do like hyperrealism mm-hmm. as an, cause it's almost like an art form. It's, yeah. it's almost, instead of a story, it's almost like, like an abstract painting. Some people yeah. really don't like it, but some people really do like it. And mm-hmm. the people who like it, like it for a very specific reason. And it's a very specific type of art. And I think that hyper-realistic books are probably kind of in that category mm-hmm. where they're valid, but most people don't understand yeah. or really click with it. Mm-hmm. It's you have a, a pretty narrow audience, I think, who enjoy hyper-realistic writing. Mm-hmm. And it is an art form because it's not necessarily easy to write hyper-realistic things. True. But yeah. But I think even even with that, I think you still want your ending to be some kind of satisfactory, I think, but mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe that's just my taste because I don't like hyper-realism. Yeah. I, I think my general rule of thumb is that you want your ending to be bittersweet. So you want some things yes. to work out and you want some things to not. Um, like comparing to the postmodernists, so like, and the modernists, they just wanted, you know, these really unsatisfying, really depressing endings. And then you mm-hmm. go to like the romantics who were, I mean, sometimes a little eerie, but they were mostly positive writers. Yeah. And I think this is my theory. I think that's why they were big on poetry because poetry uh-huh. doesn't require an ending. And I think if your Ooh. ending is too happy, that's just as mm. unsatisfying as a too depressing totally ending. Totally agree. Happily Ever After is one of the most dissatisfying mm-hmm. endings. Because it it's not realistic, but it's not even like satisfying real, realistic, no. you know, because it, I don't know. It's, it's almost it's, so unrealistic that you're yeah. like, well, that would never happen. <laughs> exactly. It, it takes you out of the, um, Oh, what is disbelief. it? Yeah. Suspension of disbelief. Yeah. It um, totally does. It ruins it. And then you're like, Oh, this wasn't real. I just read the story. Yeah. Like, it <laughs> makes it so much less real for you it's because true. even when you write things that aren't hyper-realistic, you still want your readers to feel that that situation and that story is real and that it actually happened or could happen. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And I think even with, um, romance books where the happy ending quote unquote happy ending is necessary, even mm-hmm. those, there's still something lost or something changed because yeah. if, even if those are too happy, it's not very satisfying. Exactly. Um, I think <laughs> this is the metaphor I came up with. It's like, you want all of your pieces to fit together like a puzzle, but you want it to be missing a couple corners. Like you yeah. don't want it to all fit too perfectly. Cause then it's annoyingly, I don't know. It's kind of like that person that's always happy and always bubbly and cheerful. They get mm-hmm. annoying eventually. Because you're like, okay, life is great, but it's also kind of sucky like, sometimes. Life isn't that great. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, let's settle down. Yeah. I too like to be happy, but sometimes things go wrong, you know? Yeah, exactly. Um, so you want your ending to be reflective of that. More, I guess, more satisfying than real life, but not depressing. Is that the correct? Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. I think that's the, I think that's the problem with, I think hyper-realistic books tend to give you a fully depressing ending, which I actually don't believe is hyper-realistic. I think it's, mm-hmm. that's a perspective thing because yes. even when life is really, really bad, like you can still point out the things that mm-hmm. some things you know, are going right. Even if other things some are, going, things are going right, even if you, even if it's not immediately apparent, you do mm-hmm. have to look for it, but it's like that thing that says it's easy to like, it's easy to see a red car when you're looking for a red car. It's easy to see the opportunities you've missed when you're looking for opportunities you've missed. Yeah. Um, you're going to see what you're looking for. And so that's just, that's just life. But I think that's the, I think that's the risk with hyper-realistic writing is that it often tends to only focus on the bad. Mm -hmm. And then like you're saying, some books tend to give you like the all around happy ending, which is also not realistic. Mm -hmm. I think both of those endings are not realistic. Exactly. Which is why you want bittersweet. Exactly. You want some things to work out and you want some things 
to not work out and mm-hmm. that's fine. And you have to pick which one of those, like which of the things you're going to let work out or not. Right. You have to pick them pretty carefully mm-hmm. because that could, if you pick, if you make the wrong things and in a depressing way, yeah, then that can be very unsatisfactory. I think too, you have to know your genre, like yes, how, you know, murder mysteries have to wrap up a little neater than a fantasy because that's what people are expecting and wanting from that. It doesn't mean that everything has to fit together too perfectly. There can still be some disappointments along the way or just things that go wrong at the end. I agree. I think, I think the key, one of like the big parts too, aside from what, like how it ends as far as like happily ever after everything is sad, I think is, um, you do need to answer all of the questions that you start out with. Like exactly. you do not want, this is where you, you need to make sure there's no plot holes. That's kind mm-hmm. of a different thing, but it's related, but you want to make sure there's no plot holes. You want to make sure if you started, if you brought up a question at any point in time in this book, it is either answered or you are foreshadowing that you're going to answer it in the next book in the series. Yes. Yeah. Um, so I was thinking about this too. Um, I was thinking about cliffhangers one and epilogues too. Yeah. So with, um, you know, the idea of answering questions, I think a good rule of thumb is that you need to answer all of the plot questions. You can't leave any Mm -hmm. plot threads hanging, but you don't have to answer all the character questions. You can leave certain, you know, character fates or character beliefs or opinions up to the reader's interpretation. And that can maybe be the thing that's unsatisfying and satisfying, but bittersweet. Um, But you can't leave the plot threads hanging because that is so annoying, which is why I have trouble with cliffhangers. Like, I don't know. How do you feel about them in series and in general? Do you have opinions? I, (laughs) I really like cliffhangers in the middle of series, like book to book. I don't like it when a series or a standalone ends on a cliffhanger. Mm -hmm. That's up to me. That feels unsatisfactory. I would rather have the bittersweet where maybe some things are left unresolved, Mm -hmm. which is okay, but I don't want any questions left unanswered, you know? And I, I think, I think it does depend it depends on what you mean by cliffhanger too, because you can have a cliffhanger in which the big plot question of book one, let's say is answered, but then it leaves you with a question for book two versus, yeah, versus what I think sometimes happens when the big question from book one is just continued on in book two. And that's really unsatisfying because then it's like, okay, you should have just made it one book. You have to end something for it to stand alone as a single book in a series, if your cliffhanger is great, I'm going to give you guys a little teaser for what book two is about. That's great. If you're trying to draw out the big conflict, maybe don't do that (laughs) because that's going to be really annoying. And I think a lot of times people get more annoyed with that than curious about what the solution is. I think that's true. And they don't read on. Yeah. But you, yeah, you do have to be careful with cliffhangers. Every book in itself, you have to just know that even if you're writing like a 10 book series, if you're writing a three book series, you're going to have people who never read the next books, sure. but you want to leave them feeling satisfied about yes. what's the, the story you gave them. So I think every book, the story of that book needs to be complete. Yes. You cannot not resolve all of the important things in that story. Mm-hmm. Even if you're like, but there's an overarching story. You just have to get to book two. No, you have to give your readers a full story. It's yeah. complete. All your, all the big questions are answered. Definitely. We don't have to know what the characters are going to do with the rest of their lives. If they're going to like, maybe there's decisions they haven't made yet. Maybe the broad overarching plot that's going to go for the whole series is not answered. I mean, it shouldn't be if it's a series, but the story of that book 
needs to be done. That should not end on a cliffhanger ever. I think a good example of that is TV shows, particularly um, crime shows, or like if you ever watched Supernatural or that kind of Mm -hmm. stuff where there's an episode issue and but then there's an overarching overarching plot that's a great yeah supernatural is a great example of that Mm -hmm. um i mean i guess i guess a lot of shows are yeah i think Um, a lot of crime like i've been watching rizzoli and isles lately mm -hmm. that one's a good example ncis is probably a good example criminal minds where there's this each episode is based around a specific case and then they don't leave the case except for occasional like two-part end of season you know things because it's special but aside from like the special episodes, they solve the case mm-hmm. in that episode. Yep. And maybe there's still like an overarching like scandal going on they're trying to deal with or something right. or like some like big unsolved case they're working on mm-hmm. or like like trying to find a serial killer. Right. Yeah. But they've handled individual cases. Mm-hmm in different episodes that's what the book should be in your series yeah and a good example of the serial killer one is the one in psych uh because Ah, it's is it three or four episodes in different seasons each one ends in a satisfying way but then it comes back and builds later on so mr yang right those episodes yeah 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 the yin yang killer god i love psych god i love those episodes (laughs) i I just think those are a good example of how to make the ending satisfying while still leaving a bit of a cliffhanger in the sense that Mm -hmm. the story can continue because you want to draw people into the next book or episode or whatever, but you don't want to annoy them. (laughs) Yeah. I think what it is, is you want to answer all of the questions that you started at the beginning of the book or anywhere in the Mm -hmm. book, but you also want to leave your your readers with new questions. So the questions you end with, you do want to leave them with questions, Mm -hmm. but those cannot be the questions that you started with. You need to have already answered those. And if you didn't, you need to go back and write it in somewhere because that's just infuriating. You can build on them, but there needs to be some kind of an answer for people that stop or for people that are going to take a while or for people that just want to appreciate it as an individual book on its own. Yeah. And then you give them new questions to ask at the Mm -hmm. end of the book. And that's what they take with them into the next book. Right. Yeah, for sure. I think Darkest Minds is a good example of that. No, no kidding. (laughs) Because it's it's not a standalone, but it acts as a standalone. And then if you want to continue, there are two more books. Yeah, it's true. I mean, and that's why I felt... He got it. It is the great exception because they, they pulled the amnesia thing at the end of the mm-hmm. first book. And I still was like, it was a satisfied ending. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'll never be satisfied about amnesia, but mm-hmm. that aside, I, it was still like, I only read that book and I feel like I finished the story. Right. You know? Yeah. Originally it was planned I, as a standalone. So see, and it, it reads like that. Mm-hmm. Oh, God, I hate amnesia <laughs> so much. I know. Anyway, okay. So like to branch off of that, I think the reason amnesia, and I think we said this in the other episode, but I'm going to apply it to endings now. Um, the reason that amnesia is so dissatisfying is because you want to feel like the journey mattered, that yep. um, there's a change now. They're in a different, the character's in a different situation. Um, yep. They've grown or changed or whatever. And amnesia kind of ruins that. But there are other things that ruin that too. And mm-hmm. so you want to make sure that your character or characters don't end up in the same place they started in. They can end yeah. up physically in the same place with a new mindset. They can end mm-hmm. up, you know, having lost or gained something, but they can't be the same person they were at the beginning of the story. Yeah. And I think that's where back to square one. Yeah. Yeah. That's where unsatisfying endings can come in when it feels like the journey from the whole book didn't change and matter. It didn't matter. Yeah. Um, and that can be a clue that it's dissatisfying. Um, yeah. 
I think that's super true. Yeah. Everything needs to matter. Mm -hmm. Okay. And like, that's, this isn't even specifically an ending thing, but this is, if you're going through your book and being like, I have to cut stuff, what do I cut? Well, chances are everybody needs to cut something. I'm a big fan of cuts, obviously, because conciseness is the key to an impactful story. Mm. If you are reading a scene and it does not play an important role in the plot or to character develop, and I mean, important, if it's for character development, like has to happen, cut it. Mm -hmm. I know it hurts. Save it for bonus material, Mm -hmm. but cut it because you don't have to have it. Yes. Um, your readers will probably gain contextually what you were going to include there. Mm -hmm. And it hurts because it can be very artful. I literally just did this with my own writing. Like I wanted it wasn't with the whole scene. It was with the line. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I want to include this line because it makes this next thing that happens like so much more like clear and like, wow. Mm -hmm. But I just think I think I don't have to have it. I think people will get it later on contextually. So I think I just have to cut it. Um, And that's not just an ending thing. That's an all around thing. But when you get to the ending, that's a good time to look back and say, what didn't have to happen to get Mm. me to this point? If anything that happened in the book did not in some way relate to the ending you're at, cut it out because you didn't or change your ending to make it all valid. Mm -hmm. But you want everything that happened in the book to be validated in the ending. Yep. I think to not just cutting, but also making sure that you're foreshadowing the ending enough is what makes it satisfying. A big element of satisfying is when you get to the end and you can say to yourself as a reader, you know, I didn't hundred percent see that coming, but oh, that makes so much sense. And I love yes. how it got here and how it all comes together in that way. Exactly. So you want to make sure you're foreshadowing and that your plot twists are not, um, I guess, taking away too much from where you're ultimately yeah. going to end up. You want it to be on theme. You want it to be, yeah. um, you want that uh, series of events to be clear. Yeah. And I sense. get that the want to the desire to surprise your readers with the ending, Mm -hmm. but that can so quickly become a really slippery slope because you want to, you definitely want to foreshadow the ending. Yep. And if you're like, no, but then they're going to know what happens. Maybe your smartest readers will guess, but they Mm -hmm. won't know. Yep. And most of your readers are probably not reading it for foreshadowing. Right. So it's just going to be something in the back of their head where they get to the ending. They didn't see it coming, but then they go, just like Carissa said, oh, that makes sense based mm-hmm. on, you know, the other stuff that yeah. they read. It all comes but, together. <laughs> exactly. But you want them to be able to have that. It's all coming together moment. Mm-hmm. You don't want them to be like, I did not see this coming. Right. Like this is so surprising. It feels like it feels jarring. That kind of feels like you cut the ending off of a different book and plastered it on the ending of your book, yeah. which is not satisfying because mm-hmm. it is not what we signed up for. Exactly. I think an unsatisfying ending is often abrupt or yeah. not um, hinted at enough. You feel like you're in a completely different story. Yep. That's super true. Abrupt endings are, you don't want to drag it out too long, Mm -hmm. but abrupt endings are almost always unsatisfying. Yep. Yeah. It's making me like cringe on the inside, like thinking about like getting to the end of a book and it's just like a page and it's like, doesn't answer all the questions. And I'm like, like, uh, (laughs) it feels like you wasted all that time. Yes. You want answers. You want to, and I think too, you want to have some kind of an idea of where the characters are going to go next. Even if there's no new book, if it's standalone or the series is ending, you want to have some idea of what their next adventure essentially is going to be. And so if you end it too neatly, that's another problem with that is that it feels Mm -hmm. like they aren't real people. They just cut off. They yeah. don't exist anymore. But if you yep. give them some kind of a mission later on, 
Mm-hmm. Um, that this is one of the reasons I really loved the the mirror visitor series because uh-huh. it ends with her having this big mission and you know you're like gosh I want to know what happens but also yeah. you can kind of figure out what's going to happen based on mm-hmm. you know things that she's done already and you know where it's right. kind of hinted it's going to go you don't get to see it but you know okay, she didn't just stop existing or, you know, settle down into, you know, a completely different person. She's still herself. She's still doing this thing. And you can, you can think about it. You can, uh, you know, make up your own stories and try to think on it yourself. And I think that's another element of a satisfying ending that you as the reader can think. Yes. You you sit there and you're like, oh, what next? (laughs) Exactly. Like going out into the world, you're still thinking about those characters and you're Mm -hmm. thinking, gee, I wonder what they're doing now. If you end it too neatly, readers don't get to have that. And that's a bummer because that's what makes a story like that all encompassingness that we want our books to have. Like that's Mm -hmm. the dream, right? Yeah. Um, if it's too neat, your readers are just not going to have that. Yes. Um, but if if you don't want to put it in the ending, you're like, it just doesn't fit then that's what the epilogue is for. Like really? Yes. I do want to talk about epilogues. So talk about it. I know. I love epilogues so much. Um, This is where I think it's especially important that if you're going to do an epilogue, it almost needs to be character focused as opposed to plot focused. Even if it's a plot driven book, epilogues are for the, the big fans to figure out where their favorite characters sort of ended up. And so plot should be resolved before you get to the epilogue. Yes. Apparently a thing is that some people don't read epilogues. I didn't (gasps) know this was a thing. I know it's like sacrilegious, right? But why would you, but but like, if you didn't like (laughs) the book, you really should be able to read it and have an ending where the epilogue isn't necessary. The epilogue is in a certain sense, extra and extra like in the Harry Potter epilogue, it's, Mm -hmm. you know, 19 years later, yeah. Everything has settled down. There's no plot pushing forward. It's just no. everything is great. Here's Harry's family. Here's Ron and Hermione's family. Here's yeah. some mentions of other characters we know and love. And it kind of yeah. gives you closure to know yeah. that not just this plot is over, but that the characters yeah. are okay and still friends and together and all yeah, that kind exactly. of stuff. Epilogues are for closure mm-hmm. when the end of the book doesn't naturally give like character closure. That's what epilogues are for. And you yes. only want an epilogue at the end of a series mm-hmm. or if it's a standalone at the end of that book, which yes. you wouldn't like put an epilogue in at the end of the middle. a bunch of books in a series. Yeah. yeah. You would want it only in the last one. And it's, it is exactly like Chris has said for closure, mm-hmm. especially because if they've been with you for a whole series, yep. you're like, now we're really dedicated to these characters yes. and it's almost like in honor of that dedication, mm-hmm. here's where they've ended up. Exactly. Yeah. And we want to know that. And, um, this is, I don't know if this is going to be controversial. I think epilogues need to do one of two things because I've been seeing a lot of epilogues that don't do either one of these things. And they kind of annoy me. I think they either need to a be from a different point of view than the main character or mm-hmm. B they need to take place many years in the future. I've been seeing a lot of epilogues that are like six months to a year later. And I feel like at that point, just make it the last chapter, you know, just put a span of time in the last chapter because it doesn't feel like enough could have changed in six months to a year, even two years for that to be worth an extra section. I agree. And so like the Harry Potter is 19 years later. Mm -hmm. Um, If you read the Renegades trilogy by Marissa Meyer, which I love, um, (laughs) she has it from a different point of view. And so yes. it kind of comes full circle from the beginning. And that adds, you know, an extra element. If you also read the Maze Runner, there's an epilogue in the Death Cure, which is 
it just changes everything. You know, it's this different perspective and you realize you were seeing things from a totally twisted point of view before, which is so cool. Um, And that's why I love those books too. But um, you want to make sure that enough is different between your last chapter and your epilogue to justify the epilogue at all, because otherwise it just feels like following a trend you're like oh I guess I need an epilogue what could I put in yeah here? exactly or or worse it could feel like you now need to write a whole new book because mm. it's in the same style as everything they just read yep. making it a little bit different like from a different character's perspective or maybe it's a different POV all around or maybe it's like 20 years in the future mm-hmm. that's it's clear enough that this is the ending of the book or the series you've yeah. been reading there's not going to be more mm-hmm. so it doesn't trick your readers right. but it still gives them kind of some it gives them some of the answers that they wanted Yes. Yeah. And even if you're pulling a Cassandra Clare and you are going to write more books in the universe or whatever, you still mm-hmm. should wrap it up with the epilogue and make it oh yeah, individual um to that series. You still want to, if people yeah. are like great, I'm done, you need to allow them the ending to, to be, be done. done. That's the thing. You it need everything needs to feel everything important needs to be answered and you can, you can leave a series off with questions, but like you said, it has to be character questions. And that's what, that's where the epilogue is really nice. And that's, I guess people who don't want the answers to those character questions at all, Mm -hmm. I guess those are the people who don't read the epilogue, right? but it's nice to give some of the answers about what happens in the epilogue for your readers who do want them. I mean, don't answer again, don't answer everything. Nobody needs to know like the details of what every day is like for your character 20 years down the road. But just like a general answer of like with the Harry Potter, are they still friends? What are the, what's the future dynamics? Like you get just a little hint of it and it's wonderful. I just love my favorite part of epilogues is seeing their kids. And so like seeing who they're named after or seeing which parent they're like, or who they're friends with. Like, I just, I love that so much. And I think that's, you don't have to have that in your epilogue, but you need something along that vibe. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You need some kind of closure slash you know everything's going to be okay yeah type of thing well when you do it from unlike when you do it from a different character's perspective when you do an epilogue that's like a significant period of time down the road um when you just give like that little like brief snippet of this is what life is like for them now it lets your readers have an idea of what the last 20 so years have been like exactly it helps them make a connection between the story ended this way and it forever influenced them in this specific exactly. way. And so their life has been going this direction and here's what they look like now. Yep. For sure. Yeah. I don't know, just to sum it up. So I think if you're going to do an epilogue, you need to, it needs to change something from the chapter, the, like the last chapter ending, it needs to, you know, turn it on its head in some way, or it needs mm-hmm. to talk about um, the characters and where they ended up. Right. I think how they progressed and, so that you can find some closure. Um, yeah, I totally agree. I think I think it's a good idea, like when you're like, so to like apply this stuff when you're yeah. writing, because you do want it, you want to, this is something that I, I didn't do before that I think was a big mistake. I really think you need to know how your book is going to end mm-hmm. when you start writing it, just because you can go back and try and foreshadow after you've finished the book, but it is so much harder. It's so hard. even if you don't have all the answers, you should know how the big questions end. Mm-hmm. Because then you can make sure that you are a answering them as you go and b foreshadowing as you go. But in lieu of that, whether whether or not you decide that you want to, you know, plot out the ending first, every time you add a new element to your story that presents a new question, you should keep like another like another list or another document open that has 
you know, this happens to this person, this person wonders this question, Mm -hmm. whatever the question is, whether it's about a character or their future, their past, a mistake, some plot question, whatever it is, you need to keep a running list of those and mark them off as you create, as you include the answers, even yeah. if the answers are only implied. So at the end you can go, what have I not answered? Yeah. And, and figure out what is it okay that I don't answer? And yeah. what do I really need to answer? Exactly. And that's a good point too. You can imply answers. You don't have to state them directly. You just yeah. need to give some kind of reasonable implication about what's yeah. going on. Exactly. Um, and like, if there's characters that you like, maybe there's two side characters and you're like, do they like each other? Do they not like each other? And you can't tell the whole time. And maybe at the very end, like their hands brush together or right. something. And you're like, yeah, implication done. Yeah. yeah. They'll probably end up together, but it also lets your readers like, kind of like play with that in their mind yeah. as much as they want. For sure. And I think too, um, if you're, you know, if you know, you're ending from the beginning, you shouldn't try to answer everything immediately at the end, because that's just going to be so confusing and the emotional impact won't be there. It'll just be the readers trying to logically figure out, Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. I understand what happened. So you want to be able, you want the emotional impact to be at the forefront at the end, because Mm -hmm. the end is probably what's going to stick with them the most. And so you want that to be emotional as opposed to the solution to the mystery. It is interesting how often you can read a murder mystery or something and forget who did it, but you don't (laughs) forget if you liked it or not. No. And so that's kind of the effect you want to have, I think. So Mm -hmm. to avoid that in anything, including murder mysteries, you don't want to try to answer everything right at the end. You want to be revealing things as it goes, first of all, because that's just a more interesting story in the middle, but then second, because then your ending feels more, uh, focused instead of confused. You need to save your, I would say you need to save your biggest plot question and your biggest character question. Cause that tends to be the emotional Mm -hmm. one. I think you need to save both of those for the ending, Yes, but everything else should be resolved before that, whether it's in the middle, like I wouldn't answer, you don't really need to answer questions in the first third of the book, Mm -hmm. but as soon as you hit second, third and last third, you need to start answering all those questions and you can make it. I mean, this is where you get to the idea of rising action Mm -hmm. up to the climax, which is where you're going to reveal the answers to the big questions. Right. But in that rising action, maybe that's when you decide I'm going to start in order of importance, answering these questions. Mm -hmm. You don't want them to be confused. Cause I just hate that when I, if I finish a book and I'm still like, wait, what happened? that's that's frustrating you're like why did I even bother with that yeah. it's and true you want you want your book to be so good that people finish it and want to start it over again but you don't mm-hmm. want them to have to reread the last chapter to figure out what happened yes absolutely and, yeah and a good way to make sure that's not happening is to make sure that you're answering those questions before the last mm-hmm. chapter yeah exactly and you get to the end and you're like oh no I didn't do it maybe you have to go and write in some new scenes that's Mm -hmm. super common to have to go in and write in some new scenes and that's also I recommend when you go in and look at the scenes that don't answer any questions yeah replace those with ones that yeah replace them yeah Yeah. don't just keep adding stuff back in because I've definitely like had a book I ended and it was around 75,000 words and then I looked at my list of unanswered questions and I was like dang I gotta go put in answers (laughs) and then by the time I put in the answers it was like 90,000 words and Mm -hmm. I was like this doesn't need to be 90,000 words (laughs) what do I have to cut now (laughs) yeah exactly I think the darkest minds yet again is a good example of this because, it, yeah. um, you know, there's this question. Can you guys tell she likes the darkest. I know. Minds? Is it my favorite book? Hmm. Um, because, <laughs> like halfway through or like seventy five percent of the way through, you get the answer to the question: What happened to Ruby and her parents? Like, what happened between them? Right. Um, you wouldn't want that getting answered at the end 
because no. that's too much going on and you don't understand Ruby as a character enough during the later scenes for it to have the same kind of impact. So right. that's a question that gets answered partway through as opposed to at the end. But you don't get the answers to other questions until those final scenes. Yeah. It's true. <laughs> I have a to say about these things. I also wanted to talk about Allegiant, which is from... Um, <laughs> the Divergent series. And I'm going to uh-huh. do my best not to spoil it. But if you have read these or if, you, if you've heard of them at all, you probably know that people did not like Allegiant. And <laughs> I would say it's not because the ending wasn't good, because I think she kind of nailed the whole bittersweet ending thing. I think the mm-hmm. issue is that she didn't build up to it well enough. Um, uh, yeah. You don't want your final book, especially your final book. You don't want any book, but definitely not your final book to be mostly filler. Um, oh, no. and so I didn't read it. Is it mostly yeah, filler? it's, it's oh, just, no. it feels like people wandering around doing nothing uh, for a lot of the book. And so it feels, you know, in the way that hunger Games should have been two books, Allegiant should have been kind of tacked on to insurgent. If that makes sense. Right. Yeah. Um, so I, I mean, that's a good example of what not to do, but that ending that could have been like a part one and part two, maybe yeah. part two was just shorter. Yeah, exactly. One. Yeah. And so that ending, I don't even know that that ending was unsatisfying, but it comes across as unsatisfying because the book itself was unsatisfying. So you do want the ending to come naturally from the rest of the book. I think so. I think that's where it's important to just keep in mind that like whatever your plan is for your series starting out, it just be okay with your plans changing. Maybe you started out a series and you're like, this is going to be a trilogy, but then you're like, but everything important is wrapped up or mostly wrapped up by the end of book two. Mm -hmm. Do an epilogue (laughs) epilogue or do a part two and maybe part two is just shorter than part one. I think Mm -hmm. that that could be utilized a lot more and then we wouldn't have these third books that kind of drag. Mm -hmm. Um, but just be okay with plans changing. Duologies are fine. If you need an extra book, write an extra book. If you don't, just don't really don't force an extra book that doesn't need to be there. Tack Mm -hmm. it on as an epilogue or even as a part two, if it's too long for an epilogue, but like, don't be like, I have to stick to this. Yes. And in the same vein, don't tack on an epilogue that isn't necessary. I mean, if there's no real difference between your last chapter and the epilogue, don't include it because that ruins the effect. You want you don't want an abrupt ending, but you do want it to end in the right place and not drag on because yeah. that is also unsatisfying and annoying. <laughs> so true. If you're like, if you're not sure, I, people probably, some people might take issue with this. I think if you're not sure whether to include something or not, there's a good chance you can just not yeah. include it because concisus. And then that doesn't mean that people never get to see it. Maybe you put it on your website or you release it later as bonus material, or you release it in like a series of tweets as answers to questions. Like you, just because it's not in the book doesn't mean you not, you don't still get to share it with people and that the mm-hmm. people who want to know about it can't have it. But I think if you're in question for the most part, you can probably cut stuff. Yeah. That's a good, yeah. I mean, that's usually a good rule of thumb. And yeah. you have to figure out, are, are you upset about cutting it because you're attached to it or because it's going to create some kind of a plot hole or an issue? Because if it's going to create yeah. a plot issue, then you need to keep it. If it's going to keep it, exactly. it's just painful to writer you, then, you know, yeah. you gotta, is it, would be, that. is it pain? Would it, would it hurt the readers not to have it? Or is it going to mm. hurt you as the writer to cut it? Because yep. if that's the case, you can just cut it. <laughs> readers are priority. <laughs> They are. They are priority. I think, I think that's probably where also um, a lot of unsatisfactory endings arise is because we start prioritizing what we as the writers want Mm -hmm. versus what people reading the book probably want. Yeah. And you would think they would be more similar because writers are often readers, but they're not when it's your own story. You are so tempted to do it differently. 
It's so true. You are so biased in your favor is what you want as the writer. Mm -hmm. And as the writer, like you probably like your own writing to a degree. So Mm -hmm. you're probably you, this is why I think we tend to write more than we need to is because we like the act of writing and we like what we write, at least right when we write it, maybe not three months later, but (laughs) we like it at the time that we're writing it. Yeah. So it's the idea of like writing more just seems like a good idea Mm -hmm. when really maybe you don't need the epilogue. Maybe you don't need those extra scenes. Like maybe you don't need to answer all of the character questions. It's tempting because you want to do it as a writer and you know that you can do it and maybe you can do it well, but maybe it's still better not to for your readers. Yeah. And I think sometimes too, it's like you feel so attached to the way you know things end that you Mm kind of want to shove it at the readers. You're like, this is exactly how things go, but you do have to leave some room for the reader to fantasize about it and imagine their own ending to an extent. Um, because that's what makes it fun and you can't, um, force them to see it in the same way, which is why I think a good way to do a satisfying ending is answer all the plot questions, but not all the character questions, because the plot is really the purpose of the journey of the book, even if it's a character driven story, but then Mm -hmm. if they love the characters and you leave some of those questions open, then readers can run with that. Yeah, I think so. (laughs) I think you just have to be okay with uh, whatever ending you choose. I think the biggest thing as writers we have to remember is that we have to be okay knowing that readers are going to believe whatever they want to believe about how your story goes on. And they're going to interpret things in your book that maybe you didn't even write into your book. Mm -hmm. You have to be okay with that. You are people. It's just crazy because the same part, like different people can read the same story and it's like, they're reading different stories and they're getting totally different things out of it. And it is not your responsibility as an author to communicate the exact same thing to everybody because everyone is just inherently going to get something different out of it. They're going to get different things out of the ending. They're going to choose to believe different things about the characters moving forward. So just, just be okay with it. You just have to be okay with it. You can lead them, but you can't. I would never. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Like I would never have my characters end up like this. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter. (laughs) Right. You can't control people's imaginations and that's That's good. You're not supposed to. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, that's what I had to do with the mirror visitor books because it ends not on a cliffhanger, but on kind of an uncertainty between two of the characters. And I'm like, Hey, I just Mm -hmm. have to believe that it's okay because if I don't, I will go insane. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So then, then it would be a bummer if the author comes out and she's like, actually things don't end up okay. Exactly. Like, why did you say that? Mm -hmm. Like, but why can't I just think what I want? Yeah. But even if she came out and said, it does end up that way. I now have, because it ended that way. I've thought about it so much that I now have a very specific, like personal idea of what happened Mm -hmm. and I don't want her to ruin that. (laughs) So it's true. And that's That's what makes it fun. Yeah, exactly. This is where, where your book ends is where your readers get to pick up with Mm -hmm. their imagination. And I think that that is their right. I really do think that's, that's the reader's right. So I think we shouldn't mess with it. And that's what makes books obsession worthy is not that you just like it as a book, but that you can go your own direction with it in your head. Yeah, absolutely. The stories that matter are the ones where the endings stick with you and you spend hours upon hours upon weeks and months thinking, what, how do these characters end up? Yep. And that's, that is like the gift that you give your readers at the end of the book. And that's Mm -hmm. also what will make, that's what builds your platform so that more readers read your book or come back for your next series. So don't worry about controlling the ending. I think that that, I think that's probably why we get some epilogues that aren't Mm -hmm. unnecessary is because people want to control the ending impression. Mm -hmm. And it's not even always clear what they're trying to control because sometimes it feels so similar to the last chapter 
You're like, yeah. okay, well, we could have done without this, but there's something very specific that they want there that didn't fit into yep. the last chapter. But exactly. You don't need it. Just have it for you yourself. It. Post it yeah. as a fun fact on Twitter and yeah. move past it. And move but, on. Yeah. <laughs> Just move on. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Uh, all right. So I guess I came up with a list of tips for satisfying endings. I don't know how complete the list is. You can add to it if Ooh, you want. Do it. I just felt like list. I actually took notes in my special Christmas notebook. So Ooh. now I'm back to my messy notes. But anyway, uh, okay. So my favorite kind of ending is a circular ending. So mm-hmm. The Outsiders is a good example. It's very literal where the opening line is literally the same as the last line and it just circles I back. I love that. <laughs> um, I know. I love it. But I think you can also do it in different ways where like Harry Potter, the epilogue takes place at King's Cross Station, which was Harry's first, you know, introduction really to Hogwarts. So that feels Mm -hmm. circular because it comes back to a place we know, but things have changed. So I think that kind of ending is really great. So if you go circular in some way, I will love it. (laughs) I think other people (laughs) will. like, you got me on your side. I'm I'm there. Um, Yeah. So I have bittersweet and I think you can do bittersweet scenes, but also bittersweet lines. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's important to have a good closing line that I totally echoes agree. the theme. Can, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. and you want it to encapsulate a lot of things. Ending lines are hard. Beginning lines are harder, but ending yeah. lines are probably a close runner up. Yeah. I think we've discussed this before. And I think yeah. like the idea of what's the, what's more important, the, your opening line or your closing line. And we said opening is more important because it's what convinces readers to you won't read, get to the end. If you don't closing line, exactly. You won't get to the ending line if you don't have a killer opening mm-hmm. line, but the ending line is still extremely important. Like yes. it's second in importance. Yep. That ending scene is what the reader is left with. But that mm-hmm. ending line, if you can make is that really echo good. in their brain, yes. <laughs> yeah. it's so good. I love it. Yeah. I just love when the last line is just really good. Yeah. So. I think if, I think for the last scene, especially, but I think especially for the last line, your the line should have something to do with the theme of the yes, book. For which sure. Is where it can feel a little bit constricting, but I stand by that. I really think that it should have something to do with the theme for mm-hmm. maximum impact. For sure. The scene should be leading into what's next for the characters or some kind of closure. But that last line has got to echo the theme the in rest some of the way. book. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, yeah. So satisfying endings. I think a snapshot of how the journey has changed the main character is a good place mm-hmm. to go if you're confused about how to end it. Um, yeah. Even just a short scene with them. Um you know, I don't know, going home, but they're a changed person or setting up their new life in a new place or using some kind of magical power they didn't know they had Mm -hmm. before, whatever. I'm thinking of Galavant. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) He's like, I have a dragon. Like, that's a good line. (laughs) It is so good. And that's kind of, that's like epilogue content type Mm -hmm. stuff you could do too. So if you're like, oh no, the climax just happened, but my book is ended. Mm-hmm. Maybe it is ended. And then you do an epilogue. So it doesn't feel so exactly. Abrupt. Once the plot has ended, your book needs to end. But if there's character stuff that still needs to happen, that's when an epilogue is good. Mm-hmm. Or- I mean, there's falling action in there too, but the thing yes. is falling action is so short and it's still part of the plot. Be. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. um, so yeah, so epilogues that are different than the last chapter, um, character, not plot. And you want to, your character needs to get something they want, but not everything. Mm-hmm. Um, because again, that's an important one puzzle. Yeah. You don't, you don't want it to fit too completely yeah. together. Um, and then I think a good way to end, like if you're not doing an epilogue and, or you're not doing a series on standalones, 
Um, Mm -hmm. I think the best kind of satisfying ending is where you get some kind of hint about what their next journey is going to be yeah, and where they're going to go from here. Because again, you don't want it to seem like they only existed for the length of the story. Yeah, it's true. They shove a life outside of it. So those are mostly summing up the opposite of what makes an unsatisfying ending, but (laughs) it's true. It works. (laughs) I really, I mean, that's, that's how you, I feel like become a good writer is by being critical (laughs) is by being judgy. It's true. Not just saying I didn't like this book, but saying, what did I not like about this book? And then why did I not like those Mm -hmm. things? Because then you can just basically go, well, maybe I'll do the opposite of that in my own book. Yeah. So true. That's all this podcast is. (laughs) It's true. (laughs) Just analyze. That's why I just want to do like an in-depth episode on the Mirror Visitor series, because I know that like, not like a book club though, but like, why Mm -hmm. is this so good? (laughs) Yeah. Like a a, a literary analysis. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe we'll start that kind of a series. Yeah. We can do a, we could do, or we could do like a bonus episode or something for Patreon. You guys, you can go check out our Patreon too now. It's a story siren studio. So, but you can see everything for uh, the Scripturing Society and TPBC and the writing group is on there and it's free. I'm kind of getting ahead of myself because I usually talk about this yeah. at the end, but it's relevant. So yeah. I yeah. brought it up kind of, but yeah, kind of. <laughs> I just, I, I guess let us know what you want in other episodes because I really want to do some kind of episode series where I talk about why specific books did or didn't work because mm-hmm. I think that's really how you become a better writer. I mean, when people say that to be a good writer, you need to read a lot. You need yeah. to read like a writer, not just like a reader. You need Absolutely. to think about why did this work? Why did this not work? What would yeah. I do differently? I was also noticing um, when I was reading Small Favors, which I did like a lot, but it ended in a way that I would have done differently. And mm-hmm. so I've noticed that sometimes when I read books, I almost edit it in my head of like, I like that, but I wouldn't have done it that way. And so then right. you think about how you would end things and that's how you yeah become better <laughs> yeah that's absolutely true maybe that's a, some mini soda content yeah yeah gosh I'm excited about that anyway <laughs> do we have anything else endings. to say about endings mm, I think I got everything out I don't know I how see. chaotic that was but did no, you know it was good <laughs> I think that was all very organized I have nothing else to say about endings okay, I mean I'm cool. sure I do but I'm not thinking about it right now okay how about how's your writing going um I still haven't done anything in a while because you've been reading, reading. <laughs> I mean, again, yeah. does reading count as writing because you're learning kind of, I kind of think it does count. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I have some really great things in mind because of the way that some of the books I've been reading have ended either satisfying or unsatisfying. I think you can learn from unsatisfying endings. Absolutely. So, you can just that. What about just you? Learning. You've just been sponging book things exactly. for your writing. I have been, so I'm kind of the opposite for once where I feel like usually you're like all oh, this writing stuff. And mm-hmm. I'm like, all I'm doing is reading. And right now we're like switching. Um, I have, my goal was to, before I got this extra week to get to like rewrite my first 8,000 words. Mm-hmm. I did not. Ah. Um, but I have been writing. It's just that I ended up really focusing on my first scene and I don't usually I usually just like, you know, skim right through it and just keep writing. Then I go back to it later, mm-hmm. but I really have been putting a lot of effort into the scene for some reason. I'm not sure why, but I literally just finished it yesterday. And I think the ending of it, the first chapter, because like, you know, well, it's a totally different topic. Well, not totally different, but related, mm-hmm. but the idea of having kind of a little cliffhanger at the end of each chapter, mm-hmm. I have this line at the end of the first chapter yeah. and I think it's so great. And I don't think I would have come across it if I hadn't put all this effort <laughs> into this. First yeah. chapter. Fair. So I, I think it'll pay off. 
if you knew the end of it, it's kind of a pun, but you won't know because you don't know the end of it. <laughs> I don't know either. <laughs> I think it'll pay off. Um, but, um, but somehow but, um, <laughs> everyone will get it someday. But that was where I had to, I wanted to like basically point out why this line is so impactful. Mm-hmm. Um, because I also think without an explanation, people are going to misinterpret it. Yeah. But I had to let that go. Yeah. <laughs> I had to just take out the explanation and be like, and if they keep reading, this will become clear. Mm-hmm. To most people, maybe some people will forever interpret it. And that just has to be okay. Yeah. Imply, imply, <laughs> imply, 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 imply. So I, I had to let it go. Yeah. <laughs> and so I had to take out the explanation and just let that line just sit. Regardless, it's going to have like a much more of an impact than it would have with the explanation, even mm-hmm. if it forever confuses people. Right. But um, so that was good. So that's my plan for this week is to keep, to keep writing as much as I can um, man, with everybody being sick over the holidays, I just did not have the time because yeah. I was like running food to people and Aww. I just did not have the time to <laughs> actually get my 8,000 words done. So I didn't. So we're going to see how fair. far I get this week. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it is really satisfying when you put in that kind of work and then you, you get to that end line. You're like, gosh, this was so worth it. I love the like, way this it's turning exactly out. Exactly what I wanted to happen. Yeah. So I'm probably going to work on that some today. And then tomorrow I'm going to edit this episode to go out and Ooh. then work on it, work on a, the book some more. So I feel like I'm forgetting something else I'm supposed to do this week, but cool. I guess I'll just wait for that to catch up to me. <laughs> is a, is today new year's or new year's Eve? When this, when this Friday? Comes out? Yeah. Yeah, not today. I know it's today, isn't it? <laughs> oh, see, I didn't. Oh, Friday is New Year's Eve. Oh my okay. god! Happy New Year's Eve, yeah. everybody! I can't believe we didn't say that. I mean, it's kind of a great uh, episode for New Year's because endings. <laughs> right, you said that because yeah. unsatisfactory endings, and what has been more unsatisfactory than the ending of the last two years? Truth. <laughs> Man, hopefully, good things happen um, in twenty twenty two. We'll just, we're just praying for that for everybody. And I'm already reticent. I was talking about some stuff right before we recorded that I'm really irritated about for 2022, but hopefully things go up from here. Knock on wood, everybody knock on wood right now. (laughs) There we go. The closest wood to you because this year's gotta be better, right? Yeah. Bookshelves count. Absolutely. Everybody's trying to knock on your bookshelves. (laughs) No, don't say that. Everybody knocks on everyone said last year. And then, you know, (laughs) I keep seeing the, uh, okay, everyone, we're going to walk into 2022. Everyone be really good. Don't touch anything. (laughs) Like, and I was like, I remember when people posted that that last year, (laughs) we see how that went. So, so I feel like some people are just entering every new year at this point with like baseball bats on their shoulders, Mm -hmm. like just ready to go. So true. (laughs) Like, Oh man, here we go. So here we go into 2022. Hopefully as far as writing and reading goes, I'm looking forward to some really great books that for reading and some, maybe some fun writing accomplishments. Do you have a favorite book from the year? Just out of curiosity. Ooh, that's smart. Cause mine was Um, the mirror visitor series. I know it's kind of a cheat cause it's four books, but it is kind of a cheat, (laughs) but you clearly love it. Um, from this year, uh, man, I'm sure I do. I, favorite series I'm gonna go with the shadow and bone series Mm. which is everyone's probably like oh my god it's so popular yeah but it was actually really really good good. and I only started it because it was popular and Mm -hmm. I I typically don't like popular things on principle right (laughs) because the goths the goth in me is like absolutely rebel (laughs) rebel but it was really good so for a series I would say that one Mm -hmm. for a standalone um I probably will 
take this back in favor of a different book next episode when I remember it. But what I, I will go with this then not my favorite book, but the book that the, that has stood out to me since I read it, that comes to mind the most mm-hmm. this year, Serpent and Dove yeah. by Shelby Mahurin, I believe. All yeah. Right. Shelby Mahurin. That one cool. has just, since I read it has just so many things about it have just stuck with me. Mm-hmm. She definitely got, see, I don't even remember the ending that much, but it must've been good. Yeah. But it stuck with it you somehow. stuck with me yeah. like this whole year. That emotional so. satisfactory ending. Yeah. It was very sad. The whole book, but especially the ending was very satisfying. And now I'm just like, I really want to know what happens, but I also feel like she ended it so well that I don't mm-hmm. Like I'm not stressed, not reading the next book, but I will probably at some point read the next book. Right. So, yeah, yeah. I, for most of the year, the bone witch series was my favorite. And I was like, nothing will ever top this. And then right (laughs) at the end of December, the mirror sweeps in with mirror visitor and takes the win. So I did really like, um, just really fast. My standalone favorite was probably the hunchback of Notre Dame. I know it's a classic oh. and stuff, but gosh, it was good. See, I was just thinking about that because we have, um, spoilers for TPBC. We are going to do the hunchback of Notre Dame this season, season three, and Carissa is going to join us. I'm so excited. It's going to be fun. We have very fun stuff planned for both podcasts, um, in 2022. So that'll be fun. And we'll be doing more stuff together. And if you guys have not yet, you should first of all, follow us on social media, um, we are the Scripturing Society. We're on Instagram and TikTok. We're also on Facebook. We don't really do anything on Facebook right now, but um, Krista does all of the stuff on TikTok. So if you want some like super funny writer content, uh, go follow the Scripturing Society on TikTok. It's all Krista and it's all fun. Uh, on Instagram, our Instagram is also really fun to follow. It's lots of like little clips from episodes and summaries of things and little like lists of writing tips and as also all thanks to Carissa. So everybody applaud Carissa. <laughs> applause, applause <laughs> for myself. <laughs> that seems weird. Anyway, go on. <laughs> oh, I applaud myself constantly, but yeah, so you guys can follow us on Instagram and TikTok, and you guys can check us out. Now we finally have a web presence in the sense of a website. It is on storysirensstudio.com. Uh, we share the website with that pretentious book club because we are both productions of story siren studio. So soon we're going to actually have some TSS merch, which will be great. There's some new story siren studio merch. That is also really cute. You guys, it's a mermaid reading a book with headphones on. So all the I'm things. just saying who doesn't want that merch. I want all of it, Yes. but soon there's also going to be TSS merch, which I'm also going to have to have all of, and maybe I'm going to be really poor in 2022. <laughs> But yeah, so go check us out. Uh, you guys can email us at contact at storysirenstudio.com if you have episode recommendations or questions. And if you want to join the free writing group, it is on Patreon. It is free. Just come talk about writing with us. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's all. That's something that's all I got. Cool. Yeah. So until next week, everybody. Ha- First of all, happy New Year's Eve. Yeah. Happy uh, 2022. Good luck to everybody. May it be better than last year. <laughs> May it be better than last Oh God, let it be better than last year. (laughs) I was looking at some things from the beginning of the year and I was like, man, I was so, uh, just excited in January and February. And then so many things went wrong in my life later in the year. So yeah. Ain't that the truth? There was death. There was loss of job. It was just a rough year. And I was so optimistic back in the beginning, but well, here's to optimism. Let's all try and remain optimistic (laughs) at least about the little things. Look for the little things that are going right. Exactly. Because they're there. Life is bittersweet. Things are going (laughs) wrong, but things are also going right. (laughs) They are though. 
Yeah. Maybe I'll get some French fries today. Exactly. <laughs> be going right. The little things. <laughs> the little things. Well, until next week, everybody. Keep writing. <laughs> and we'll see you on the next page. <laughs>